0: With us and fellowship, so if you could uh, please do that. Again, I want to, as we're live streaming this morning, thank all those who are watching us on live stream. We're just glad you're here and you're making time for the Lord, time to praise the Lord. Uh, so, uh, there uh, we're doing the uh, finger foods today. Next week, uh, we don't have a sign-up sheet right now, but if just let us know. But next week we're planning on doing a taco bar, so uh, tacos next week. So. That will be uh, the meal for for next Sunday. Um, and then, uh, again, we still, need, we still need more volunteers for helping with the cleaning of the building. And so my wife and I are signing up and my son. So we're here now. We'd like to be a part of that and help with that. Um, again, just a reminder, there is a new phone number. If you're not aware of that, we did change the phone number here. Kind of went through the mess that that was to get that all done. But uh, it is, uh seven 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 five two two three instead of the 5194. Uh, we had to change the number uh, because we changed our internet, and it's just a, it was crazy. But it's finally done, and uh, we're good to go. We just got to get our websites up to speed, and uh, a few things changed there. Um, also, uh, uh, we have somebody having a birthday today. Uh, Brother Pete Perlinger, his birthday today. So we could? Let's just sing him happy birthday this morning. <laughs> Efficiency. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. And we dearly bless you. Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday, Pete. So, and uh, there's a free meal for you today if you stick around. It's on us. Hey, uh, uh, as an incentive, uh, the good news is, uh, you know, my wife and I on February 14th, Valentine's Day, we sold our house. And then um, the ladies mentioned to me that they got a nice bouquet of flowers for my wife. And uh, I called her to let her know, because she can't be here today. And uh, she said, oh, that was so sweet. That's more than you got me. (laughs) And I said, I got you a house. Because uh, at 9 a.m., we closed on our house over there. And by 4 p.m., we were under contract on a house in Stevensville. So, uh, we are currently under contract, we have our our uh, deal, uh, our inspection will be Tuesday, but um, I want to share a lot more about it because uh, it's amazing how God worked it all out. And so I'm going to share that in the afternoon service. So if you don't stick around, you're going to miss out on a real blessing because God uh, is totally in this, and uh, it was really neat how it all played out, and I'm going to share that. Um, in our afternoon service, so after after our meal. So we'd love for everybody to just stick around. Uh, if you haven't in the past, uh, just hang out for a little longer today. We'd love to, love to fellowship with you. So um, with that, um, we'll take up this morning's offering. Let's pray. Lord God, we just come before you humbly and just uh, so thankful for um, your provision, how you take good, so such good care of us, Father. And now we want to take an opportunity to give back a portion of that which you've already given us. And Father, I just pray each and every one of us would um, have that desire to give back to you what you what's already yours. So, Father, I pray now that you would bless both the giver and the gift. I pray that this gift would be used for your honor and your glory and for the furtherance of your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. We now have a special from Kathy Scarabella.
1: strength. Stay.
0: right. His strength is perfect, isn't it? Uh, All right. Um, All you kids kind of want to stay up here and listen to me today, right? Boy, the deer in headlights look. Is he serious? All right. You guys may be dismissed for children's church. Make sure it's just the little ones that leave, please. All right, well, um, His strength is perfect, and I'm also thankful His Word is perfect, aren't you? And now we're going to take some time and get into His Word this morning. Uh, Again, if you have your handouts there, if you picked up a bulletin, there should be a handout. Uh, We're going to be looking at the book of Mark this morning, the Great Commandments, what we're going to be taking a look at. Uh, It's been uh, Valentine's Day was... um, last week, and uh, we had a guest speaker in that Sunday prior to Valentine's Day, so uh, Brother Grover, he did a great job, Um, really enjoyed the messages that he brought forth to us. Uh, But we're going to focus on uh, on love this morning, uh, kind of along that theme, and we're going to look at um, how we can love better, how we can love better. So um, before we dive into our text this morning, let's open up in a word of prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, again, we just are, uh, we come to you thankful for uh, how perfect you are perfect in your strength, perfect through your word, uh, and, and perfect in your love. Uh, the greatest kind of love anybody can offer is agape, God's love. Uh, help us <clears throat> to be able to love like you love, Father. You loved us so much that you sent your only begotten Son. You gave your best to us. Father, help us to give our best to you. Uh, Father, I pray now that you will fill me with your spirit. You use me mightily uh, to deliver your word. It's your word that goes forth, not mine. I pray it's your voice that will be heard this morning, not mine. I pray, Father, that you will be honored and glorified through the preaching and the teaching this morning. And uh, just again, uh, be in our midst and Help, us, uh, help the congregation to be attentive, uh, to apply what they learn today, Father, uh, and to be doers of your word and not hearers only. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 12, our text this morning. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. Uh, the Bible says, And one of the scribes came, and having heard, heard them reasoning together, And perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any questions. When I was, uh, before I even got saved, uh, I started attending Friendship Baptist Church in Montana City. <clears throat> my wife had been invited there. I shared my testimony with you. We were invited to attend that church. Um, and she really liked it because uh, they had a nursery and we had a little baby girl Ashley at that time I only had one child at the time but uh we were sitting in services that morning and pastor was preaching I don't even uh, honestly don't remember what the whole message was on I just remember him talking about the love of God and that and, and that uh that we should put uh, our love for God should be greater than any love that we have on this earth. And as I sat in my chair, I thought to myself, how am I supposed to love somebody I've never met, I've never really spoke to, I can't see, I don't even know if he's really there and exists. I'm supposed to love this God more than I love my wife and my fairly newborn daughter. She was still I think under a year. And and I I'll be honest, I knew how much I loved my wife. I loved her dearly. I I mean I married her and 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 she said yes, so I loved her. Okay. But I love, you know, and, and then along uh along that line, I'm I'm in a hospital room and they stick this little bundle of joy in my arms. And I had tears in my eyes holding that child, thinking to myself, how. How I wasn't sure how I knew how much I loved my wife. How was I going to love this baby too? And when they stuck that baby in my arms, it didn't take long for me to realize I had enough love for both of them. But as I sat there and I thought to myself, how am I supposed to love uh, somebody I've never met or spoke to more than uh, than my wife and my daughter? And as as I pondered that, and of course, I just left with that thinking in my mind, and it it would take time. As I grew, as I got saved, and and as I started to grow as a Christian, it became real evident that, uh, Jim, you don't have a wife or a daughter without God. I have those things. I have uh, everything that I own, I have because of God. My health is because of God. My, my, my family is because God gave them to me. The, the vehicles I drive are because God gave them to me. Uh, and, and everything that I have is because of God, and it's because he loves me so much, he wants to do things for me. So, as we ponder this and we think of the love of God and how wonderful it is, how can we love better? Because, you know, none of us really love like God loves I mean, we can strive for it, but none of us really love like God loves. I mean, I don't know that I would send my son off to die for somebody. Um, I, I don't know if I'd be willing to make that sacrifice. But the idea here is we want to learn how to love better. Do you want to love your spouse better, your children better, your family and friends better? Well, before we can answer these questions, let's look at some background information a little bit about what we're leading into here. What I want you to understand is, you know, in in Mark 12, verse 28, he says here, and one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the commandment of all, right? And what, what is this scribe? What's going on here? Well, prior to this, remember the Sadducees we 're trying to uh, to catch Jesus off guard, and just prior to this uh, part here in Mark, the Sadducees had asked Jesus uh, remember they gave the story about a man who married this woman, and he had i think it 's seven brothers right, and the man dies and they don 't have a child and so now it 's the oldest brother 's responsibility to take her in, marry her and And of course, and they go through the whole spiel. And every one of these brothers, the the man dies, still no son, still no son. Nobody to carry on the name. That's important in Jewish heritage, right? And so, and of course, they say, well, and of course, we know the Sadducees don't believe in a resurrection. But they're just trying to catch Jesus off guard. And they said, well, then, so when she finally dies and she goes to heaven, whose wife is she? And of course, Jesus, I can just see him chuckling and going, you know, as, as he tells him, Oh, how you err. You don't even know the scriptures. Because you won't be given in marriage in heaven. You are just as the angels. And it doesn't mean you become an angel. You will be like the angels. The angels aren't married in heaven. Uh, as far as we know, we've never even heard of a female angel, they're all males. So we're not given in marriage anymore. We'll all be together. We'll all be a family. We'll all, you know, it's, a, it's going to be different in heaven. And that's what he kind of shows them here. And what happens is he he answers them and leaves them in awe, of course, and that brings up the Pharisees' turn. Oh, the Sadducees failed, but we'll get him. See, this Pharisee isn't wanting to actually learn anything. They're trying to catch Jesus off guard. And by asking, and why? The Pharisees knew better than all people of the laws. 613 of them that needed to be followed to the letter. Is how the Pharisees look at it. And now they're thinking, oh, Jesus, which of these laws is the greatest of them all? Wondering if Jesus even knows the 613 commandments or the commands or these uh, laws, Right? And so they're trying to basically catch him off guard. He's challenging Jesus in in a way, and of course, Jesus comes in. You know we uh, the Pharisees understood the Mosaic law to consist of six hundred and thirteen commands, three hundred and sixty five negatives, one negative command for every day, right, um, and two hundred and forty eight positive ones. While they believed all were binding, they assumed a distinction between weightier and lighter statutes, right? This was an attempt to find out what Jesus felt was the greatest of all the commandments. The hope was that Jesus would respond in a way that they could make him look foolish. Out of 613 commandments, could Jesus tell them which one is the greatest of them all? My challenge to you this morning is, do you know what the greatest commandment is? And better yet, if you do, will you obey it? This morning I want you to see three challenging truths that can be gathered from the greatest commandment. I also want you to see that if you are willing to live up to the challenge, it will help you as a believer to love better. To love better. The first commandment we see is in verses 29 and 30. 30. Uh, The first commandment is love God. Verse 29 says, uh, and Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one Lord. As we look at loving God, the first thing we need to do is love God for who he is. And who is he? He is one God. We understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We serve a triune God. Uh, It's hard for our finite minds to wrap our, our minds around the idea that He is three in one. But He is one God. Israel worshipped Him as one God. The idea is that Israel, the nation of Israel, He is reminding you, you are monotheists, not polytheists. Monotheist means one. Poly means many. See, we live in a world today that has lost track of the one true God. We are in a world today of polytheists. We worship television internet we worship sports stars i don't we worship our loved ones sometimes become more important than god our jobs our careers we worship money entertainment what makes us feel good we live in a world of polytheists We must come back. If we're going to love better, we have to love God, and we have to love God above all else. It means you've got to come back to being a monotheist. You need to be a person who loves God first and foremost, and only God. Trust me, if you're going to love better, if you love God first, all the rest of it will fall into place. The religious Jews recite the Shema, uh, which begins with Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Uh, the Shema, uh, the idea is it, it means here. And and the, the Shema consisted of Deuteronomy, uh, and they had this memorized, okay? Uh, many of them had this committed to memory. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, chapter 11, 13 through 21, and Numbers 15, 37 through 41, they would recite this. Uh, these verses, you can look those up if you want. Um, memorize them and you can do the Shema. <laughs> so, uh, but understand that uh, within the Shema is found both a fundamental doctrinal truth and a resultant obligation. There is an urgency connected to the, this teaching. The word Shema demands that the hearer respond with his total being to the fact and demands of this essential revelation. That he is one God. And they are to submit to that one God. Why is this? Because of who God is. Right? Who is God? Right? So, the purpose is to remind Israel that they are monotheists, just as I stated before. And that that they are not to allow other things to come before their God. Uh, And again, we see that they, they fell into, we were in Sunday school this morning, and we're going through the book of Zephaniah. And we're talking about Zephaniah is, he comes down really harsh on the nation of Judah, right? On Judah, because they are walking away from God. They're worshiping the Ammonite gods. They're worshiping Egyptian gods. They're worshiping whatever they want. And they're not being faithful. Even kings had set up idols in the temple that was built for the one true God. And so we must be careful that We stay true to one true God. And why is this so important? Because the first commandment, uh, look at the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, right? Uh, Exodus 20, verse 3 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Understand, if there is anything, anything in your life that is more important to you than God, it is an idol. It is an idol and it you it, you need to take care of it let me ask you what do you love more than god what keeps you from coming to church faithfully on sunday what keeps you from doing your daily devotions or reading spending time in the word of god spending time with god praying if today is all you get spiritually this week you're in trouble If you're not spending time in the Word of God, on your knees, doing daily devotions, on a daily basis, if Sunday main service is all you're getting, you're spiritually comatose. Because unfortunately, uh, as a survey once proved, that most people, by the time they're eating lunch, don't even remember what the service was about. And so it's important that we make time. We put God first and foremost in our lives. We must have one God who sits on the throne of our lives if we are going to be able to love Him like He deserves to be loved. He is worthy of our devotion and of our love. So hear, O Christian. Listen up, Christian. There is only one God, so love Him. For who he is, but we also need to love God with all you are. You need to love God with all you are. Look at verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. You need to that, that's where it comes in. If we really love him, then are we loving him with everything we have? Well man, I I really struggle, man. I just the Bible's so hard to read. Especially that King James thing, man. What's with all the these and the thous? What are you doing to me? Love him with all your strength? Sounds pretty weak to me. I mean, the crazy thing is, if we, if, if just take it, you know, people, there are people who love cars, right? Right? Um, I'm just going to use a, you know, people who love cars, and they love working on cars, they will read manuals galore. I'm not a car guy, I'm not going to read a manual. I think they're super boring, okay? But I'm telling you, if a guy loves a car that much, and you put it in old English, he'll read it. He will. If that's all he's, uh, I'll read it, man, because I'm going to figure out how to, you know, rebuild this engine. You know what? If you love God, don't let the old English scare you away. I believe the King James is the Bible for English speaking people today. We're not to change the Word of God. The Word of God was given to us. It's existed for over 400 years as is without any changes. It demonstrates that it has stood the test of time. God's Word will never fade away. Loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Giving Him everything you have. We can't make excuses for why we can't be in the Word of God. Why we can't have time to pray and be on our knees. Shema summarizes the heart of God's covenant with His people. Yahweh is one Lord, and covenantal faithfulness to Him involves every part of one's being. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. So why should we love God first? Why is this so important that we love Him first and, and we love Him with everything we have? Because He first loved us. He loved us enough to create us. Uh, not only that, but He loved us so much that when Adam and Eve even failed, bringing sin into the world, they were never perfect, but they were innocent. Until long, and, and a good plug for the Bible again, uh, comes Satan with twisted. Well, he, he gave them God's Word, twisted, twisted, to get them to fall. And they did. But God punished them. Kicked them out of the garden. Uh, Eve would suffer in childbirth. Uh, Adam would suffer in taking from the land. And there would be thorns and thistles that he would have to deal with. It wasn't going to be a perfect garden anymore. He was going to have to work and toil and sweat. Man, all that punishment. Oh, don't forget Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is our first promise of Jesus Christ coming as our Redeemer. Jesus is coming. Uh, Jesus did come. And because of his first coming, we know his second coming is imminent. He will return. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The promise made in Genesis 3.15, fulfilled here in John 3.16, we see that God gave Jesus to us. Because Jesus is the only perfect Savior who can deliver us from our sins. He is that spotless Lamb for all of us. Romans 5, eight, but God commended this love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Adam and Eve brought it into the world. We continue in it, but we get saved. And therefore, we are not to continue in it. Are you still going to sin? Yes, you're still going to mess up. But we are to strive to be perfect. We are to strive to, uh, to be sinless. You know, I always tell people, you know, you you shoot for 50% and you come up short, you're going to be at 40%, right? But if you shoot for 100% and you come up short, you're in the 90s still. That's pretty good. Strive to give Him your best. God gave us His best. He gave us His Son. Jesus faithfully uh, obeyed the Father and went to the cross for all of us. See, uh, uh, Jesus didn't die for a select few. He died for all. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay? Jesus died for all. He is available to all. It's a choice. We have a free will. We can choose to follow Jesus Christ and believe in what he's done for us, or we can reject him. The consequences are not your choice. The consequences have already been laid out for us. So we are never going to love God more than He loves us. It's evident. We're never going to love Him more than He loves us. But we can love God the way He deserves to be loved. I came across this uh, these ten questions. Daniel L. Aiken asked this in exalting Jesus uh, in the book of Mark. He asked uh, ten questions that we could all... Uh, heed to here. Question number one, is the Lord the all-consuming passion of my life? Is the Lord the all-consuming passion of my life? Two, do I have a deep, intense and abiding affection for my Lord? Number three, am I loyal to my God with an exclusive love? Four, do I resist and even oppose anything or anyone that seeks to do my Lord harm? Am I zealous to defend with grace my Lord's name? And honor. Do we stand up for Jesus when we hear His name being used as a cuss word? Do I enjoy spending time with my Lord? In the Word of God is how we spend time with Him and on our knees praying. Do I do things that please my Lord and increase His joy? Do I brag on my Lord to others? Being a new grandfather... <laughs> I like bragging about my little grandson because I love him dearly and he's only seven weeks old. Do I brag on my Lord? Do I tell people about Jesus Christ? Do I tell people what he's done for me and how amazing he's been? That's how we show our love. Do I talk to my Lord as much as I can? Do I tell my Lord that I love him? Remember, these are not things that we do to get God to love us. They are things we do because we love Him and because because we love Him. I love Him because He first loved me. 1 John 4.10 says, Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, we love him because he sent his son, because we have eternal life in heaven because of what he's done for us. There should be no greater love than the love that we share than we hold for our Father. So our vertical relationship must be our first priority if we are ever going to be able to move on to the second commandment of God, and we see that in verse 31. Verse 31 says, and the second is like namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. So the second commandment is to love others, right? Uh, Jesus is really kind of quoting Leviticus 19, verse 18. It says, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. The word of God, we are to love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, When I was looking into this and studying this, two questions popped into my mind. So I want you to see, there's two questions. One, who are our neighbors? Okay, that doesn't mean when you go home, run to the house on your left and then run over to the house on your right and give those people hugs and run across the street and I love my neighbor today. Who is our neighbor? Our neighbors are family members, whether they're, uh, you know, actual family members or your church family, maybe your work family. They're your co-workers. They're they're your friends. Uh, They are your neighbors on your right and your left and across the street and behind you and the entire block and the entire town of Stevensville is your neighbor. Everyone in the Bitterroot Valley is your neighbor. Everyone in Montana. Anyone you can come in contact. That's who you're to love. Your foes, uh, people you dislike, can't get along with, they're your, fr- they're your neighbors. See, uh, Matthew 5, verse 43 through 48, Jesus says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And persecute you, that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. God has a perfect love. We're not going to be perfect and sinless, but we can be perfect in our love in that we love everyone like God loves them. Even the people you don't get along with. The people that don't like you. We are to love them. Jesus was, he was, he was hammering the Pharisees who were saying, you know, hate your enemies, but love your neighbor. And Jesus said, no. You know, uh, Jesus died for Adolf Hitler, even though Hitler tried to wipe out all the Jews. Um, Jesus died for all of mankind He because he loved them. He willingly went to the cross, obedient to the Father. He loved everyone. What did Jesus say from the cross? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. There were people down there that had, pulled hairs out of his beard, ripped hair from his beard. People that slapped him when he was blindfolded and mockingly said, come on there, Jesus prophesy." Who slapped you? I guarantee you they were shocked when they stood in front of him and he said, you slapped me. (laughs) He loved them. Every one of them. Every one of them. Jesus is saying, love everyone, even your enemies. Pray for them because God allows the sun to rise for them and sends rain for them just as much as he sends it for all of us and for our friends that we do love. He concludes in the challenge to being perfect as he is, and it doesn't mean without sin, but rather it's the standard by which we are to conduct our love. God is the standard by which we are to conduct our love. So, excuse me. So, that first question uh, we looked at. Now, the second question I want you to see is how do we love our neighbors? How do we love our neighbors? And look what it says there uh, in verse um, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay? Who do we love better than ourselves? Let's face it, right? I mean, when it comes down to it, we're, we're going to take care of numero uno. We're always going to make sure we're taken care of. I, mean, I love doing things for my wife, and I love doing things for my kids and stuff. But honestly, I there's times I've been selfish. It, it's been proven, you know. Half the time, when you get mad at someone in your family for something, uh, it's because something happened that. Impeded on what you wanted to be doing. My son does something wrong, uh, messes up. Uh, I was getting ready to go do something. Now I got to go take care of this. So now I'm mad at him for it. Because why? Because I had something else in mind. I wanted to do something else. See, we love to take care of ourselves. So all of a sudden now, if we switch that, maybe uh, my anger wouldn't be. I, I wouldn't get mad at my son. Oh, no worry, buddy. I'll help you with that. I'll I'll take care of that. See see how we can love better? Because we're not so focused on self. When we become focused on self, um, you know, it it becomes that order. Um, We we, we love ourselves, we love God, we love others. But as I've always said, if you want to experience true joy in your life, uh, the word joy is an acrostic. Put it into perspective. Jesus others you. You should be last in that order. We should love our neighbors. Uh, we are good at loving ourselves, and, and therefore we take good care of ourselves. But if we would put together a love and love others with an unfailing love like God has, he has an unfailing love. Uh, there was a story I heard uh, I read about uh, about an unusual military funeral in California. In December of 2013, Sergeant First Class Joseph Gant, who fought in both World War II and the Korean War, was laid to rest. He had been captured in Korea in 1950 and died the following year. But his body was not returned for many years, and his death was never confirmed by the North Koreans. His wife, Clara, waited for decades for her husband to come back. She regularly went to the meetings with government officials seeking information about what had happened. Clara even bought a house and had it professionally landscaped so all Joseph would have to do when he came home was go fishing. She was 94 years old when his remains were finally brought home for a military funeral with full honors. It wasn't the homecoming she dreamed of, but she finally knew his fate. Clara told a reporter who interviewed her, "'He told me if anything happened to him, he wanted me to remarry. "'I told him, no.'" No, here I am, still his wife, and I'm going to remain his wife until the day the Lord calls me home. Love, true godly love, is not temporary or transient. Love is a commitment that is meant to last. Love is not based on everything going right or always being happy. Love is not an emotional feeling, but rather a choice of the will. Casual commitments do not produce a foundation for deep and meaningful relationships. Instead, we should love others as God loves us with an unfailing love that never ends. That's how we start to love better. Okay, we love God first. And now we're going to love others, okay? And that brings these two commandments. We see here in verse 31, the second part of 31 says, There is none other commandment singular, greater than these. None other other commandment. He's given us two commandments, the first and the second. But there is none other greater commandment greater than these, implying that they need to be together. Implying they need to be one. These passages are not to be viewed as separate commandments, but as complementary commandments. Much like the Ten Commandments. You know, what's really cool is the great commandment is the 10 commandments. Because the first commandments, the first four commandments of the 10 commandments deal with loving God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any uh, make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy while the last six commandments deal with loving your neighbor. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. See, these two commandments thus make up the Ten Commandments. That's how amazing our God is. Because there is none other commandment greater. These two commandments make up the Ten Commandments. Why? Because there's none other commandment greater than these. God gave us everything with Ten Commandments in the beginning with Moses. And here it is, still standing strong in the New Testament. Jesus has just put it in a nutshell for us. Made it easier for you to memorize, see? See? Because there is none other commandment greater than these, now leads us to our third and final point. Our third and final point will deal with all other commandments, right? Because remember, this Pharisee is trying to catch them. We're focusing on the greatest commandment of 613 commands or 613 laws. And ultimately, we we live in a world today where there's far more than that. But ultimately, if we focus on these two commandments, make them one commandment, and ideally... Uh, focus and and allow, uh, just love God first and love others, then ultimately all other commands fall into place and we begin to love serving. We begin to love serving. Look at verses 32 and 33. And the scribes said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God and there is none other but he, and to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength. And to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. See, he says it's more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. This isn't about just going through the motions, it's not about uh, simply coming to church and hearing a message, then going home and, and just forgetting what you've been taught. We are to follow the first two commandments first because without them, we will never be able to faithfully execute the duty of service to God. We'll never serve Him the way He needs to be served. And when we're not serving Him, we're not loving Him. And if we're not loving Him, we're failing in the first commandment, the greatest of all commandments. We are not subject to the law, but the commands that Jesus has ordered us to As believers, to do, you know, I love First Samuel twelve twenty four. I put this in. I think it's in your handout there. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things He hath done for you. See, our service for the Lord should become natural when we consider what it is He's done for us already. We should want to love Him first. And how do we show our love by serving others? By by loving others? By obeying Him in His Word? What are some of the other uh, commandments that we see uh, in the Bible? You know, um, I don't know how many there are. I'm not going to try to count them. But we know that He tells us that we are to be holy as He is holy. What are we doing to strive to be holy? Remember, you're a Christian. You're carrying the name Christ. Are you living up to that name? Uh, Or are you hurting it? Be holy, for I am holy. Separate yourself from the world. Don't look like the world. Don't be a, a camouflaged Christian. Okay? Stand out. Be separate from the world. Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves as believers. We're to faithfully be in church. We're to be a part of a church family. Why? So that we can serve one another. We can edify one another. Because we're at church on Sunday, but we have so many other opportunities to be there for one another during the week. I I drive back and forth to be here on church on Sunday. But I drove back here on a Wednesday so I could be with Dean and his family when they had to turn off the machine on his son. Okay? That was an opportunity for me to be there for my family that was an opportunity for me to show my love for god by loving one of his children and that's what we all should be willing to do obey those who have authority over you kids you need to obey your parents Ephesians 6:1 makes it really clear you're to obey your parents adults all of us everyone should be obeying those higher powers Romans 13:1 the government, the police, the military, right? We need to be obeying those who have uh, authority over us. And we live in a country today that wants to defund the police. That, that wants to empower the criminal. There's no, we, we don't stay true to uh, the authorities. And probably the hardest one of all, Hebrews thirteen seven tells us to, Obey the authority of those who have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, the authority of your pastor or spiritual leaders in your church. How many people will hear a pastor will confront them in the sin they are, and the, their response is, I'll just go to a different church. If you're being confronted, uh, you know, put yourself into perspective. It's hard when we're adults, but when we're adults and we're, uh, we're, we're uh, disciplining our children and trying to correct them from doing a wrong, we're in the right. But the minute it's a pastor doing it to you as an adult because he loves you, I mean, why do you do it to your child? Because I love them and I don't want them to hurt themselves or I don't want them to make that mistake? Why is a pastor doing it? Because he loves you and he wants you to not make that mistake? I was thankful. I could have got so mad when I was confronted by our associate pastor years ago and told, Jim, you're not faithful in your attendance to church. Well, not to yours anymore. <laughs> I'll go somewhere else, right? That's the answer we like to give. But the Bible says you are to, you're under the authority of your pastor. And if, now get it, now there's pastors that abuse their authority. And if I ever abuse my authority, no, you, you don't. You don't do that. You know, I, I met a guy who was going to a church that he's not, they're, they're not happy in, in the church. And, and when we, I asked him, why, why do you keep going? Because I have no biblical reason to leave. Just because I'm unhappy with the way the pastor's doing a couple things, but he's not doing anything unbiblical. In other words, he's not doing things the way I want it done. Right? But it doesn't mean he's doing it wrong. We're to preach the gospel, tell people about Jesus. Bible makes that very clear. Are we telling anyone? We're to give, not just financially, but how about of ourselves and our time? Was it Romans twelve one? I beseech you therefore, brethren, uh, that you. Um, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Him. Okay, that's actually. The number one, be holy and acceptable unto Him, but present yourself a living sacrifice. Give yourself to the Lord to be used of Him. People have uh, talents that they can use for, for God. We, I'm thankful for piano players and people that like to sing. If you have those abilities and you're not using them in your church, you're, like, you're no better than the person who took the talent and went and hid it in the dirt. Use your talents to be a blessing to those around you, but it 's not I want you to see it 's not just an ordered love it 's not just an ordered love but it 's an obligated love right We are obligated to love god first we 're obligated to love others look at first corinthians thirteen one though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity i be I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. No matter what I do, if I'm not doing it out of love, it's worthless. It means nothing to God. If I'm not doing it for love, then what am I doing it for? Probably for recognition or for my own selfish reasons. Ephesians 4.15 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We need to speak the truth in love. Everything we do should be done out of love or it is worthless. We're obligated to love in everything we do. In other words, it profits nothing. Our good deeds, if not done out of love, are done out of selfish or prideful reasons. Uh, So did this Pharisee have this kind of love? He acknowledges what Jesus says. You're right. You're speaking right. In 1234, And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man, after that, durst ask him any questions." Do you think the Pharisee understood what Jesus was telling him? I think he understood it, but he wasn't doing it. That's the big difference. That's the big difference. Jesus said, thou art not not far from the kingdom of God. Meaning, you're close, but you're not quite there. How many of us understand that we are to love God first? And that we are to love others first? But if we don't actually do it, we can understand it. But if we're not doing it, as the Pharisee, you're close. But you're not quite there yet. Understand that close, oh, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And it doesn't count in love. So let me ask you this morning. Do you know what the great commandment is all about? Do you know what the great commandment even looks like? Serving the Lord is how it looks. There's a story of one night where a cobbler dreamed that the next day Jesus was going to come and visit him. The dream seemed so real that he got up very early the next morning and hurried to the woods where he gathered green boughs to decorate his shop for the arrival of so great a guest. He waited all morning, but but to his disappointment, his shop remained quiet except for an old man who lipped up to the door, asking to come in for a few minutes of warmth. While the man was resting, the cobbler noticed that the old fellow's shoes were worn through. Touched, the cobbler took a new pair from his shelves and saw to it that the stranger was wearing them as he went on his way. Throughout the afternoon, the cobbler waited, but his only visitor was an elderly woman. He had seen her struggling under the heavy load of firewood, and he invited her, too, into his shop to eat. He saw to it that she had a nourishing meal before she went on her way. As night began to fall, the cobbler heard a a child crying outside his door. The child was lost and afraid. The cobbler went out, soothed the youngster's tears, and, with the little hand in his, took the child home. When he returned, the cobbler was sad. He was convinced that while he had been away, he had missed the visit of his lord. In his anguish, the cobbler cried out, Why? Why, Lord? Why is it that your feet delay? Have you forgotten that this was the day? Then soft in the silence a voice he heard, Lift up your heart, for I kept my word. Three times I came to your friendly door. Three times my shadow was on your floor. I was the man with the bruised feet. I was the woman you gave food to. I was the child on the street. Matthew 25, verse 40 says, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. So today we have looked at three challenging truths that can be gathered from the great commandment that will help all of us as believers to be able to love better. Love God and others more than ourselves, and if we do this, then loving to serve God will only come naturally. Now that you know what the great commandment is, the challenge is will you live up to it? Everybody, if you're able to please stand with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to offer a moment of invitation. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no looking around, just take a moment. This morning we've been challenged to love the one true God, there is only one God, the one true God who loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son, that if we will put our faith in Him, we can have eternal life. But maybe there's somebody here this morning that has never put their total faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they don't have that personal relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not 100% sure that if you died that you'd spend eternity in heaven. if You'd slip your hand in the air. I'd just like to pray for you. If there's anyone here like that, there's never, you've never made a profession of faith, ask Jesus to come into your heart save you from your sins. Anyone here like that anywhere? Believers, we've been challenged to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Is God first in your life? Is He seated on the throne in your life? Are you obedient to the commands of God's Word? Is that how you show your love to Him? Being faithful in church. If if that's you this morning, if you're here this morning, you know I'm not loving God like He deserves to be loved. Slip your hand in the air. I just want to pray for you. Oh, hands all over. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. As the music plays this morning, I want everybody to just take the time to think. Uh, If the the Lord's convicting you, if you feel the Holy Spirit convicting, please don't be afraid to come forward to an old-fashioned altar. Kneel down and ask God to help you. Uh, Those of you who who felt convicted that you could love God better, love God more, Uh, you know that you could love your family members better if you would just put God first, come forward to an old-fashioned altar and deal with the Lord here. As the music plays, this time is yours.